1: Hello, my name is June Rochelle. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. Today we're going to talk about the thirsty woman. Now everybody's known a thirsty woman and if you really be truthful, some of us have even been thirsty a time or two ourselves. We're gonna use the woman in Samaria as the example. We know she was thirsty. Get a pen and a notebook and let's take some notes and learn the thirst is real. From desirable and disposable to devoted and dependable. The thirsty woman in Samaria. We've all known that woman. Or like I stated, maybe we've been the woman who starts off in a relationship where she was desirable. And later to her surprise, she is put on notice that she's disposable. She's the beautiful woman, the educated woman, the working woman, the rich woman, and the poor woman. She's the woman with children and the woman with no children. She's the slim woman and the thick one, the red bone and the melanated queen, the one that can always get a man, but the public at large brands her as one who must not be able to satisfy a man. See, there are three things that are never satisfied, and that's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And these are the top reasons of divorce, And there is no shortage of women that are willing to comment about the backgrounds of such women, especially if they've been fortunate enough to have one husband. But then there are those who have no husband who comment if it was their man. They would know what to do with that fine thing over there. They would lay it down, hot and heavy, and cater, serve, and worship their man. Funny thing is, some men just have a habit of going from woman to woman. Because no one is ever enough. It doesn't matter who she is or what she can do. Some of the most beautiful, talented women in the world have been dismissed. As a woman who has been married and divorced, I recently visited a church with a woman I knew and I was there at her request. She also invited another woman who's a little bit older than I am. And she sat next to me and she says, oh, hi, how are you? and then chuckled, I kid you not. (laughs) What husband are you on now? We are in church and this is what she found to say, but that's a story for another time. Well, here's a woman that was also married several times. The woman at the well is named Fotini by the Antiochian Orthodox Christian religion. Now the name Fotini means to be illuminated or illuminous. The word divorce in Hebrew means to expel, to put out, to drive away, to drive out. Korath, which is a little bit more graphic of a Hebrew term, describes divorce as cut off, to destroy, cutting of flesh, pass around the pieces, to be chewed up, to fail, to perish, and to be utterly in want. Malachi 2 and 16 says, For the Lord, the God of Israel, says he hates the putting away spirit of divorce done by cruel men who do violence to the woman they should protect. Therefore, he says, control your passions. Let there be no divorcing of your wives. So this scripture clearly states that the main motivation behind a man divorcing a wife is due to cruelty and passions that he cannot contain, or that he can't seem to contain. Once a man seeks out and finds a woman and commits adultery in his heart or body, it is much easier to hate the wife that he's with. In this scripture, God is speaking directly to men. And in the book of Exodus chapter 21, it details the law of marital neglect by listing the minimum support that must be given to a wife, which are these three food, clothing, and love, and that's in Exodus 21, 10, and 11. Love is a part of the minimum requirements required by God in marriage that is committed by a man to a woman, food, clothing, and love. I know women like that clothing part. (laughs) Some like food, but all love love. The biblical idea is that marriage is a lifelong union between a man and a woman, both of whom are spirit-filled disciples of Christ. And you can find that in Ephesians 5 and 18. In the New Testament, Jesus only allowed divorce due to adultery. However, a man could make any claim against a woman and go from classifying her from desirable to disposable. So let's pick up the story of a woman at the well, Fotini. I love that name, Fotini. Jesus says he must go through Samaria. A matter of fact, in the King James version, it says must and needs, which are two very compelling words. Jesus made his way to the city of Sychar in Samaria near a parcel of land and a well that Jacob gave to his son, King Joseph. Jesus arrived tired and weary after walking 104 kilometers, which is about 64 miles which would have taken him about 22 hours. When he arrived, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. Scripture says it was the sixth hour, which would make that about 12 noon. So we know it's hot because this was in the Middle East. As scripture states, Fotini comes walking up to lower her bucket to get some water and that bucket's attached to a rope that she has to lower down in the well. And Jesus said to her, give me water to drink, And then she feels free to engage in a conversation with a total stranger as she is alone. As many women do, she begins to talk to an unfamiliar man. He's a stranger. She responds, how are you asking a despised Samaritan? I could see her with that neck rolling for a drink when you Jews don't even speak to us. Jesus replied, if only you knew what a wonderful gift God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. He just clapped right on back. Is it possible Jesus was illustrating how she has been baited into conversations with men in her comings and goings? In today's world, imagine a woman meeting a man who says, hey, don't you know who I am? It's your good fortune to talk to me because, hey, I can take care of you. Well, Fotini says, but you don't have a rope or a bucket, and this is a very deep well. So here's an example of her caring nature. And there are men that prey on women who are caring and empathetic. But she's showing genuine care to help this man, and that is definitely a good quality. She goes on to say, where would you get this living water? It's so easy to see that she has a childlike mentality. There is some innocence there in her response. She goes on to say to Jesus in a sassy way, and besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? How can you offer better water than this, which he and his sons and cattle enjoyed? Now she's asking him, can you provide for me better than those that I have already known from my past? When a woman's been hurt, she will always seek validation that the new one is not like the old one. But the truth is, until she gets healed, he will always be like the others because she is the same. So Jesus replied that the people soon became thirsty again after drinking this water here at Jacob's well. But the water I give them, he said, becomes a perpetual spring within them, watering them forever with eternal life. The word life in this scripture means the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical which belongs to God. See, Fotini can't know a godly man without knowing Christ first. She just didn't know, and the enemy took every advantage of that lack of knowledge. So now we see the heart of Fotini coming through. She says, please, sir. Can't you just see the shoulders coming down? Please, sir, give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to make this long trip out here every day. To translate, she said, Please show me how to not be in this situation with a man who has me out here in the hot noon sun on a water pursuit. He's the one that's thirsty, and he's using me to quench his thirst. Who knows what he was doing while she was gone? And just then, as Jesus does, he brings it all together and he says to her, Go and get your husband. Potini says, But I'm not married. And Jesus said, you are telling the truth, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are living with now is not your husband. Uh, Can I just preach for a moment, just for a minute? Jesus was saying in a nutshell, miss, I want to let you know that you are still thirsty after man number one, the man who cheated on you and abandoned you. Emotionally, he wouldn't be there for you or his children. And then you were still thirsty after man number two, the man who used you and replaced you within a short period of time with another who can't seem to understand if he did it to you, he'll do it to her. And I know your thirst was still real by man number three, the man who at first couldn't keep his hands off of you and had to have you. And it was so passionate to you. And then like David's firstborn Amnon, after he had you, he hated you and ignored you and wouldn't touch you, and wouldn't talk to you, and wouldn't be available to you. See, I saw him when he shunned you. He only wanted to talk about you to his male friends, and they agreed with him and saw you too as a throwaway. And yes, I was there watching with man number four, the man who also cheated, hit you, stole from you, and lied to you and mistreated you and your children, which would have been his stepchildren. And then I saw you with number five, Who just needed someone to sport. Then he died, leaving you with nothing. And I'm here to let you know something about number six. He doesn't even like women. He is a pretender, full of perversion, full of disloyalty, and he mocks you behind your back. He is using you too, He's also going to disappoint you, and I couldn't let you fall down into that well all alone again. Jesus was saying to her, I'm here, little sister. Your big brother, your uncle, and Lord is here to bring you out of this pit. Just as you are drawing up water out of this well for your natural body, I am drawing you out of this spiritual pit, not only just for you, but for other women to see in future generations that there is still hope in me. She must have come to the realization that this man talking to her is not the usual, wanting something in return. He's being honest with her and being honest about her. See, people that really care about you, they'll tell you the truth. Now, if she had a husband, he would have been protecting her versus paying the bills. He would have been walking with her in the morning to get the water versus sending her out all alone, humiliated for all to see. The word husband in Hebrew means esh, and Adam was an esh to Eve. Husband means her servant, her champion, her great man, and her man of high character. Jesus is illustrating this in his actions to her and towards her. And in a nutshell, he has just stated to her that numbers 1 through 5, nor 6, qualify as husbands because they were not servants to her, champions to her, great to her, and of great character to her which translates into love. And how could they be? Because they didn't know him either. So let's pick up Fotini's response. She says, sir. Oh, now she's giving him some respect. Sir, you must be a prophet. And it must have been a lot for her to digest because she then changes the subject. But uh, I can hear her talking kind of fast. But say, tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is only on the place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, the time is coming, ma'am. Now he's giving her that same respect. He's matching her point for point. When we will no longer be concerned about whether to worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. Still showing her inability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, Fotini says, well, at least I know the Messiah will come, the one they call Christ. And when he does, he will explain everything to us. Maybe she meant her and her man. And yet Christ is right there. Have you ever known women that the right man was right there in front of them and they went for the okey-doke, for the imposter? Well, here Christ is being patient he's not condemning her for asking questions. Have you ever known a man who would get irritated by his wife asking questions? In the New Testament, it is a husband's duty to teach his wife when she has a question, unless she may get in public and it be revealed that the husband has not done his job. This can be illustrated by the fact that some men share more information about sports between each other, reciting scores, players, and championships. But don't take the time to learn the word, and teach the word to their wives. In many instances, it's the wife teaching the word to the husband. I'm not going to say that this should not be, because every man should seek out the scriptures and study to show yourself approved, a workman, or woman, not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, and. Jesus doesn't become displeased with her. And remember, that's all it took to divorce a woman, to just be displeased. How could she know that the men that had come into her life were not of God's standard if no one in her life, including her own father, took the time to share? If they didn't know Christ, they wouldn't be Christ to her. Now I'm going to get into conversations that women have with each other about picking a man who in many instances have no more of a clue than the men that are not the right one. Have you ever heard a woman say, I don't want a soft man, I want a real man, someone who is aggressive, who puts me in my place. I need someone to calm me down and to dominate me. Well, listen, God never intended for his creation of woman to be ruled, which is evident with the curse on Eve after the fall, to then be ruled by her husband. That was a curse. Now, after all this conversation, when Fotini said that the Messiah was going to come and tell us everything, Jesus said, I am the Messiah. Now, can you imagine that her mouth hit the floor? And as she just reflected and it hit her, she wanted to be saved. She had always wanted to be saved. She just went about it the wrong way. She was drawn by God and no one else. Now, just then, his disciples, they arrived, and they were surprised to find Jesus talking to a woman, but none of them asked why or what they had been talking about. Have you ever known a man who told all his escapade, including yours, to his friends? At least the disciples knew not to ask a man of God and of good character about personal conversations or relationship with this woman. That was his personal business. Now, Fotini was finally illuminated because Fotini means to be illuminated. She was illuminated deep in her heart on this hot day in Saikar. Then suddenly, just like that. Oh, I love that word, suddenly. She left her water pot beside the well, beside the earthly well, and went back to the village and told everyone. Now, she was inclusive. Because she didn't say he's going to tell me. She said he's going to tell us. So she is village minded. She's a people person. And what if every time she was approached by an ungodly man that she could have identified, that she could just drop what she was doing and let it go and go in the direction that God was telling her to go, just as she just did. It was always in her. She just didn't have that encounter yet. So it is no doubt at this point that God put her in a place that she could go to the very people that says, what husband are you on now, Fotini? But not to be deterred by her past and not to be concerned about the man in her life, she went right to them and she says, come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him on her word, a word of a woman who's been married, five times and living with somebody right now. And that does not mean that God condones that because he told her it wasn't right, but God is using her to draw people to Christ. And as the devil used people to draw her to him, God flipped the entire script, but won't he do it, child of God? So Jesus came to see about her. She, her, the woman at the well, Fotini, his trip to Sychar has always been about her and her predestined assignment. He covered her shame, he covered her humiliation, and he quenched her thirst. The woman at the well went from being someone's desirable and disposable woman to being God's devoted and dependable woman. He forgave her because she was honest about her sin and honest about her desire for Christ. Man or woman, this is the math, the process, repent and forsake sin and seek God and he will answer. Fotini's thirst was real, but God was realer, more alive and more deep than number one through six. God can only use the people that he wants and he doesn't care about the past. He cares about the present. He'll use the past to reach people. So many souls believed on the Messiah because of her. And according to Romans 8 and 28, this is how God worked it out in her life. And we know this, that all things work together for good, Fotini, because you love him and you have been called according to his purpose. Fotini, he foreknew you and you were predestined, called and justified and then glorified. And the evidence of that is that her name is in the book. She's in the book. Things will work out. Just wait. Wait, I say, on the Lord and be of good courage. I hope you enjoyed this topic today. On the next show, we will discuss the queen with the crown royal, Vashti, my girl. Till then, remember, love is an action word. Don't say you love someone and you don't treat them right. I'm June Rochelle. Tune in next time.